You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, See Me Dance! Life, the Universe, and Everything Else explores the intersection of science and society. Original music is produced by Ian James, and this episode was edited by Marissa McCool. Find her on Patreon at patreon.com slash QAF. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> We're moving to YouTube! <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Gem dancing on a YouTube channel. That exists. I've seen it. I know. Gem dancing. Gem. <laughs> it is amusing. I will okay, admit. This is a movie we watched. <laughs> Who are we? My name is Gem Newman, and with me today I have David Bonwick. Hello. Ashlyn Noble. Hello. Lauren Bailey. Hi. And Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. So uh, this evening we decided to watch a movie. And boy, was it a doozy. We watched 2009's hit film, See Me Dance. C, in this case, being the letter C. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Charlie. For, for reasons that were unclear for a good portion of the film, <laughs> it being a Christian film, I, I surmise that maybe it was like, Christ Me Dance or something? <laughs> Does not seem to be the case. But let's start off with a brief synopsis. Lauren, can you help us out? Now, what starts with the letter C? Well, I'm not sure if anybody will get anything more synopted from this, honestly. The IMDb calls it a drama centered on a teenage girl who has trained her entire life to dance for the Pittsburgh Ballet. That is the only time you will hear that. <laughs> yes, there was a Pittsburgh newspaper that showed up about three quarters of the way here. It's about a young girl who looked like Eliza Orleans from Survivor, who wanted to be a ballet dancer, and her father who looked like Vince Gill. Is that who you said it looked like? Yeah. Played by the producer-director, Greg Robbins. And suddenly she's dying of leukemia, and suddenly she can make people feel the crucifixion of Jesus, and suddenly the devil is after her, and suddenly she dies. And that's our plot. She brings people to Jesus, and then she dies under the Christmas tree. As her father dates her doctor in a weirdly unethical, chaste romance. I I think that's allowed. That's allowed, right? I'm allowed to do that? You're not allowed to date anyone. (laughs) Yeah, you're not allowed to date anyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But now those ground rules established. Sorry, And people may think I'm being very incoherent with this plot, but that's about as coherent as it gets. None of the scenes finished. There's a lot of implied film film to this film. (laughs) (laughs) So my favorite part was when the protagonist's mother was murdered by a possessed semi-truck in the opening (laughs) moments of the film. Oh, that was your favorite part? It was just downhill from there? Just downhill from there. (laughs) Okay, my favorite part 
was when we had to pause the film to figure out who and what had attacked someone because they cut away from it so quickly <laughs> could not tell. The answer turned out to be our protagonist with what appeared to be a binder just smacking a possessed guy in the face. Well, it was one of her classmates who was... 35. Yeah, who appeared very much 35 and not at all 17, who was apparently possessed by the devil and wanted to... I don't know what. I, I don't even know. And then he had cronies that were not useful or I think they were run of the mill sinners. I'm I'm not sure that they were possessed. That wasn't clear. I think they're just bad kids. I guess so. Troubled situation because I guess his dad died. They were hooligans of some description. (laughs) Yeah. She just made them Christian. So So she has the Christ touch. Good God man you almost got the cheese touch. The what? The cheese touch. Yes. <laughs> My notes keep getting more incoherent, and there are more <laughs> exclamation points the further we go down. I took a lot of notes. The ADR was real bonkers, like different actors filling in bonkers. Yeah, the production values were very bad. They, they were slightly above Neil Breen level. You know, Neil know. Breen o- often won't bother with the ADR. <laughs> Neil Breen's audio was way better. Neil Breen's movies are in focus. Yep. <laughs> and he uses special effects. Not well, but he uses them. <laughs> hey, there were some special effects here. When she first got the Christ touch, there was that scene where there was like a weird haziness above the dinner table. Oh, the that angel. might have been a practical effect. Yeah. Just use some boiling pot of spaghetti. Great <laughs> 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 yeah. nine art project style. Raw man. <laughs> oh, man. So we were supposed to infer that apparently Jesus Christ only manifests through light fixtures because every time there was a sense of him or the spirit being in the room, the camera focused for a very long time on a light fixture and brought it over-focused and overexposed. Just for so, the symbolism? Like, he is the light, the oh, Lord, And that's, yada, that's yada. fine, but I just think it's funny that it's always through the electric lights <laughs> fixtures. Oh, that's yeah, that's like all. It was a never candle. It was never the sun. It was never, like, any other light source. Yeah. It was always the backlit cross in the church or the chandelier over their table or something like that. I would like to discuss the ethics of blinking or touching someone into believing in Christianity. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That is better than trying to discuss the plot. <laughs> so that's the power that this girl gets. The power of Christ compels you! So the idea is she gets leukemia and Which then that's what that was. I could not figure out what the disease was after I missed it the first time. <laughs> yeah, yes. Because they so don't she, really she, talk about she it. She has leukemia, and then they just say, the tests show that you should be comatose by now. Yeah, and you, yet you're, you're dancing. You're really bad. Yeah. yeah, so she gets leukemia, and then what precipitates her getting the magic powers? Was that clear at any point? She... <sighs> No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it's kind of a, well, what do we do about it now moment? And then I think there's a come to God moment where she and her father both have the same dream where they realize right. that she's meant to help people. And by helping people, it means bring them to Christ. So they both have the same dream about one of her ballerina friends who is like drowning in a lake. And she and her dad are both running to the lake shore. And she says, save me! The, the drowning the, the, girl. The drowning girl. And they're like, ah, it must mean we should save her. 
Get it? Save her! <laughs> okay, I was actually going to ask, did the powers first manifest before or after she had that, like, breakfast conversation about, this means that God is calling me to save her? Before that, she had a little bit of telepathy with her dad? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yes. she has a telepathic yeah. moment. That's where that, they that realized they had the same dream and that. Because everything is ADR in in those car scenes, so I couldn't tell that her mouth didn't move that time. <laughs> the audio was also slightly desynced, so. And then there was the eye wiggle thing with the two teenagers in yeah. school before the dream sequence advanced her mission for the rest of her life. That, that's what I was asking. Was the eye wiggle before or after? Because it could have been the moment was supposed to be when she felt called by God to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like maybe that was when she got her powers. Or it was your favorite moment where her mom died and Christ protect her, yada yada, now she's special. So I assumed that she was maybe always special, and that's why Satan was possessing the semi-truck to, like, murder her mom or whatever. Oh. Like, I assume that's what happened because they said it was just, like, a freak accident where a semi-truck tire blew. But obviously, but that this a- was, like, a Stephen King-style possessed vehicle. Like, that's the vibes that I it got. Was like a, it was, like, a ten-minute car chase sequence with, like, I think multiple trucks and her car ended up flipping and exploding into a fireball. Oh, I love... Well, <laughs> there was a brief burning. cut, and then <laughs> we saw an upside-down car with some special effects, so... <laughs> And then later, same car, no, no remarks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just upside In the down. Ashlyn, it's not clear when the powers happened. I feel like there's a bit of a training period where she started feeling like she had some powers, but didn't really period. know that she like how to harness them totally. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. she did start with those eye wiggles where people were trying to bar her way, and then she'd wiggle her eyes at them, and they would like back off. And they definitely progressed from. Being able to look at someone and Christianize them, which was the first one, which seems very powerful to start with. And then it became touching them. And then it was like, even through the power of television. Yeah, so so she would touch people. The law and order sound effect would play. (laughs) And, And then you would see them Romans, I guess, pounding a spike into Jesus. A woman? No, no, Roman. With, into with Jesus' like, hand. With, like, some blood splatter, and then they would be Christian suddenly. It was very gory. It was, yeah, it, it was more than what was needed. But getting back to Ashwin's point, the ethics of touching people for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if you can, should you? No, obviously. But why do the Christians think this is a good thing to put out into the world if like if we could we would yeah it's it's very frustrating because for many reasons also because if it was another religion doing that to them they would be not having any of it and thinking that that is totally inappropriate and not okay so why does it make you okay to do that yeah especially the the level to which they go to different studios like the big NBC sort of thing, and they go in there, and the guy says, no, you really can't do this. And her dad looks at her and goes, you want to do the thing? She reaches over and touches his hand, and then they shake hands and make a movie deal. (laughs) (laughs) Which is presumably how this film got made. (laughs) I can't imagine that it was greenlit on its merits. (laughs) And also, isn't it superseding God giving people free will? 
Yeah. So what I was going to say is you can make the argument that they're not, she's not like changing their mind for them. She's revealing God's truth to them. And then they freely choose in the, the fullness of their understanding to become Christian and give up right being whatever money. they were but wasn't yeah. there they a, whole a lot of money scene, wasn't there a whole scene where they were talking about like well what did you say to him what did you say to him and then she's like, i don't know so like I, that yeah. implies to me that like no no ideas or information was exchanged what that implies to me is that they couldn't write any convincing dialogue <laughs> and they wanted an excuse not to have to film it Okay, that's yeah. fair. So they hand waved it away with the well, God doesn't want us to remember, so we do not have the sin of pride. There was another moment too in the film where where they were explaining to the one black character, the pastor, what had happened when they had like converted all of these people, and the main character was being throttled by a hooligan, and then suddenly he was converted to a Christian and felt bad about it, I guess. But they. They did the whole, well, here, we'll tell you the story. And then the audio cuts and some music plays and you see them explaining yeah. it, but they don't actually film any of that dialogue. seems like a good dialogue. time for a montage. Yeah. <laughs> the pastor did have the second best line in the film, though. Every single day, God's creation is going to hell and it's really starting to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> that was got, that was an amazing line. Mm-hmm. They got two swears in the movie and they were both in the same line read. <laughs> There were a lot of unintentionally funny line readings in this. Like, th- that was a legitimately, like, good... It was a good moment. He we're said like, it with conviction. Yeah, he you know, did. Like, he like, did. I think he's probably... Aside from the hair and makeup lady who had, like, one line <laughs> who was believable, he was probably, like, the best actor in this, that preacher. I really liked the main character's line reading when she realizes what her job is. And she says, You don't want me to preach, do you? You've got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) There are lots of extremely amusing deadpan line reads. I'm going through this movie's IMDb page, and we were looking up Pastor Jeff and all of these people, and they are all on the same... They all come back to this Pastor Greg, which is also by Greg Robbins, who is our star slash producer slash Vince Gill, and... So this seems like a little acting company that between 2005 and 2008 tried to get the word of God out, and then none of them ever worked after that again. <laughs> but this Greg Robbins is has done Hollywood stunt coordination. He's still working. He's, he was a stunt coordinator for something in 2022. Okay. And he was also the main stunt coordinator for Reanimator, and the stunt double for Jeffrey Combs. Nice. So this is our backup way in, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't a good movie, guys. But it wasn't Jeffrey a good Coombs. movie, but... I don't like Jeffrey Coombs. I hate Jeffrey Coombs. <laughs> Blasphemy! <laughs> Tis the topic of the show, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess for the brunt of the matter. Is that <laughs> one episode where he nope, played... No, 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 Where he Onward. played both Wayun and Brunt? Yeah, it was glorious! So oh, good lord. Anyway, back to this other bad thing we watched. <laughs> oh... So it turns out that Christians don't commit crime because once she starts converting people in Pittsburgh, I guess. Yep. And this is before she's on TV. She's just like going like person to person and giving them the Christ touch. Well, she also preached 
with my air quotes, at her church, where she went and stood at the pulpit, said nothing but telepathically sent the knowledge of the Lord to everybody in the church and made them reborn or whatnot. So, I don't know, maybe better than some sermons I've heard? (laughs) But the next morning, they're looking at the paper. The next morning, yes. They exclaim, wow, murders and rapes are down by 89%. (laughs) 89%. Such a fun, fun attempt to be not obvious in what they're doing. Oh, let's pick a non-round number. That'll make it seem believable. How many people are being murdered every day? It's Pittsburgh, Jim. (laughs) Was it across the whole nation that this was? Because it would have had to have been a heck of a day of nothing for this to be noticeable. I assumed it was just Pittsburgh. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't sure how big it was, but it was none of it. I mean, none of it made sense. Did I fall asleep and hallucinate the battle of the Christian bands in the high school gym? Oh no, there was there was about, but there was only one band playing. We only saw one band. Oh, the Dad Rocks. The Dad Rocks. You're a Christian. So what? That's cool. It's nothing to hide. Christians can still rock. And, I mean, this movie is a product of its time, and I won't disparage 2009. I was there and I dressed that way, but boy was it an example of its time. I like, hope her eyebrows ever grew back in. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was, it was great. And the reason, like, reminding me of the band, I just, the, the lead singer slash guitarist had a fabulous outfit of rectangular, narrow rectangular glasses, a, a black sport coat over what appeared to be some kind of oversized t-shirt, wide leg jeans, and to cap it all off, some nice black dress shoes. They really had us going to the clubs looking like we were, like, subbing for Donna in finance, didn't they? It was just, it was good times in 2009. Yeah, so it was a battle of the bands in the, as the poster said, high school gym. Because Pittsburgh has one <laughs> high school, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and we only saw one band. And they were, I don't know, instrumentally they seemed fine. I don't know. I have at least three notes, three lists in my notes that say... There's nothing in this movie to make fun of. It's just sad. <laughs> I had that thought three separate times. Oh, that's not true. It was pretty funny. There, okay, so I think they must have been going for funny. There, there was one moment where I thought, okay, well, I, after the pastor. So maybe it's the second moment. Maybe this, this is before the pastor. Anyway, there, there was a moment that stuck out at me. I'm like, they were trying to be funny here, and they kind of got me. It was, it was after... After they had that, like, battle where her dad rushes up to save her from the thug and then she, like, taps him on the hand and suddenly he's a Christian and he stops, like, choking her to death or whatever. And then they touch the other people and they all become Christians. And they all kind of pray together. And then she and her dad get back into her car looking, like, disheveled and they just kind of, like, stare forward like they're both kind of stunned. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, wow, that was... That was a really weird thing that just happened. <laughs> I guess we gotta lampshade this. <laughs> and they're just like... <sighs> wow. Yeah. I mean... Huh? Yeah. So, God wants me to... Yeah. Huh. <laughs> there was a lot of incomplete thoughts and incomplete scenes. It just felt like they were getting to the crux of an idea, but they had already filmed everything that they had wanted to film for that scene, so they just cut it off. 
Writing is hard, yeah. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, scene structure is so difficult. There's no manuals. There's nothing you can learn. <laughs> uh, no. I wonder how much of it they actually did film. And oh, this if, was all video. No, and, and, <laughs> and if this was all they could make out of it when they tried to put it together, they just thought that they had th- the rest of the box. I did get that feeling. There was so much that was cut off that it's like a lot of it became unusable at some point or just didn't fit the way they thought it would. And so they they Frankensteined it together. I did get the impression a few times that they wanted to do a pickup, but they didn't have the actor available anymore. Like there's this one actor who plays the devil, and there are a few times where he morphs between different people, and you get like a nice Animorphs 90s special effect there. But there were a few times where it seems like they wanted to have the devil in the scene, but the actor wasn't available. So they just had the camera behave kind of weird, and then everybody would just suddenly look at the camera, and you're like, we're 55 minutes into this movie, you can't pick now as your time to establish that we are using the camera as a character. (laughs) That makes the audience uncomfortable! Well, it's because Peter Kent actually has other other things he has to go do. He has a solid IMDb page. There's at least 10 different things on it. He definitely looked like the guy who would threaten to beat you up in the bar scene in he's, the movie. He's the that guy. He's from Vancouver. Mm. So he makes you know, good for him on Get Forget and Work. Yeah. Yep. That's what I say about all the Canadian actors. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he has like one one episode credits on things like Farscape and that kind of thing. So he's you know, a generic guy that they can put into real ugly makeup. Yeah. Shall we put the audience out of their misery and tell them what See Me Dance stands for? Let's do it. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. Did we find out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the idea was... Marissa, we leave that as is. <laughs> I don't know why everyone was looking at me. <laughs> so she's a dancer, our main character, whose well, name none of us remember. Sherry. Sherry. Oh, sh- Sherry. Sherry or Sherry. Or yeah. Sherry, yeah. Spelled Sherry, said Sherry. So Sherry is a dancer, a ballerina, and she always wanted a car, I guess. They mentioned that once. And then, I don't know why they, they didn't need to establish this in the beginning. They didn't need to, like, hang that gun on the mantelpiece, but they did for some reason. Her dad, at one point, in the very naturalistic way that the dialogue functions in this movie, says, Oh, yeah! And you always wanted your license plate to say, See me dance. Okay, fine. (laughs) And Laura, what did it say at the end? What did the license plate that killed her say? Letter C, space, me, space, dank. (laughs) D-A-N-C Because if anyone reads that license plate on a car No one is saying that says dance Everyone is saying what is dank See me dank (laughs) That's what the title came from, really? Yeah Yes There was a full on um, I mean, I remember the license plate Yeah, a full on Pennsylvania license plate Wrapped under the tree No car just a license Presumably, plate. he also got her a car. He must have. Did he not get her a car? There was no mention of uh, a what car. What would a dying kid need a car for? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a short-term rental. He'll just return it afterwards. Oh he, bought the, he bought his doctor girlfriend a car. <laughs> so, the final scene of this film, after she's, I guess, converted the world and defeated the devil, no, no dance-off. 
There, no, no. Why no dance that off? That should have been because the actor can't actually dance and they couldn't right. the body double dance. I just yeah. wish, I the, wish they would have chosen an activity that the actor could have actually done. So Lauren did astutely point out that there were many shots of dancing, many shots of the actor dancing, but never a shot where you saw the actor from like a full body shot dancing. You would see her shoulders up, or you would see her shoulders down. <laughs> <laughs> or just the feet. And some really good dancing feet. Sure. The So the, the final scene is Christmas. They've converted the world, and she goes to open up her, like, her one gift that she's allowed to open early. On Christmas On Christmas morning. Mor- I, yeah, I don't know. It looked church. like morning. Was, was this before, oh, church. before church? Okay, sure. And she goes to open it up, and then... They find her dead under the tree right after she has opened up this presumably poisoned license plate. And then they spilled eggnog all over the floor. Yep. That looked like it ruined the wood. And the worst doctor, her doctor, just collapses into a crying mess when this person is unconscious? Probably. Yeah, there's no effort to check whether she has a pulse or Nothing. Anything. She just she or- fell over, she must be dead. Yeah. I'm. I'm pretty sure I just did my trauma resuscitation training again this morning. I'm pretty sure that is one of the things. If they have leukemia, you can just, like, <laughs> skip the rest of the resus algorithm <laughs> and just call time of death. Yeah. Just I'm still a- gasping here! No, I don't know. Just do a slow wall slide of crime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have your ABCs or your CABs, but no, leukemia, no, that just stops the algorithm dead. <laughs> no looking. <laughs> I would like to announce that I figured out who I think this actor looked like, and it is Bo Bridges. Oh, oh okay. Good. He does look like Bo Bridges, but if Bo Bridges, if all of his facial features were squished, like, And it was like smaller. the gray hair specifically in that hairstyle that added to that face that really made it look like him to me. And I was, I was trying to figure out this question and found a very funny article from a Christian website tearing apart this movie. Nice! <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to link it in the show notes. Do they tear apart the ethics of non-consensual... Bam Christianing. I've only read the first couple paragraphs because I was enjoying our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I hope our audience does too. Uh any other thoughts on See Me Dance? I mean, if you have a spare hour or two to watch this, there are way better options. So, <laughs> just pick one of those. Here's how the Christians describe it. A movie so disastrous it may qualify for FEMA intervention. <laughs> wow. The Apostle Paul told the Romans that he was not ashamed to be a Christian, but he never saw See Me Dance. <laughs> Oh, sick bird! <laughs> this will-to-live sucking melodrama was the brainchild of one Greg Robbins, an undoubtedly nice fellow. See <laughs> 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 Me Dance was actually released in movie theaters somehow, possibly due to a clerical error, and earned more bad reviews than it did dollars. Whoa! Devastating. <laughs> that is fantastic. It has a one star rating on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes is yeah, we'll just leave that there. It's very Yeah, very that's the lowest bad. you can get on IMDb, isn't it? It is. You can't do I a zero star. Yep. Yep. Wow. Bless oh, them very much. <laughs> and I figured out what it was. The the font that was bugging me for the credits, papyrus. 
Yeah. Oh, really? There was. They also misspelled the word motorcycle in the, in the credits. credits. <laughs> All right. We have other topics. I think. Jeb, you had something you wanted to say about AI. Please let it save us from this movie. So one of my classmates sent me a message the other day, and I thought it was worth discussing on the show because she had a question for me. So she asked me if I ever worried about the rise of AI limiting jobs in medicine. And I <laughs> I kind of hate this question. I hate talking about AI. I am very happy that I escaped my career in tech. I enjoy tinkering with computers. I'm glad not to be working in that field anymore, mostly because of the culture. But I think I've been annoyed, as annoyed as a lot of my former coworkers are, with this kind of booming interest in this so-called AI. But I'm burying the lead here. Absolutely not. I don't worry about AI limiting the jobs in medicine, certainly not in the next several decades. And I do say that as somebody who technically has a specialization in AI and who worked in machine learning for nine years. The, the so-called AI that is making huge waves right now, so chat, GPT, DALL-E and its spinoffs, etc., it is massively overhyped. And most people in the industry would balk at calling it AI or anything even close. AI is being used in the sense simply as a marketing term. What these tools can do is neat. It is troubling in certain senses, but it's also very limited in scope, and it is also absurdly unreliable. It will never take over hand surgery for one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a lot of polydactyly oh going on. <laughs> <laughs> so so Doll E is great at taking a prompt. Well, okay, maybe maybe great is overhyping it a little. Doll E is good capable <laughs> of taking a prompt and essentially making a cleverly photoshopped collage from the billions of images that it has seen before. Of other people's work. Of other people's work, yes into an image that fits the prompt to a greater or lesser extent. But it doesn't actually understand the prompt in any meaningful way. It doesn't understand anything. And ChatGPT, which is one of the most prominent examples of what is more accurately called a large language model, is nothing more than a predictive text engine. An extremely powerful, but not extremely sophisticated version of the autocomplete that we all have on our phones. <laughs> I got, I get asked the question too, as a technical writer, as a technical editor, mm -hmm. will chat GPT take over the, our careers? Yeah. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yours. <laughs> it is, so chat GPT is really great at getting style right. Less good at getting substance right. <laughs> it's really good at writing plausible prose, like something that passes as prose, but it lies all the time without even realizing that it's doing it. People who are trying to hype this technology will call these hallucinations. 
They're not hallucinations because it's not experiencing anything. It just it is just blatantly making stuff up without even realizing that it's doing it because it again it doesn't realize anything. So trying to use something like ChatGPT or one of its derivatives to diagnose a medical condition for example would be far less reliable than just putting a bunch of symptoms into Google and picking the first result that came up. Less reliable than that. Because at least, (laughs) at least with Google, you can end up with a plausible idea of why that is the search result that you got and why it thinks that's a match. With ChatGPT and these kind of large language models, the way these tools are designed makes it fundamentally impossible for them to be reliable because of the way they're trained. You can never at any point interrogate their reasoning process because they don't have one. Like, it's all a black box. It's cool that, as one of my other classmates pointed out, he could just ask it to write him a Python script that will do something, and it will pop out a fully functional Python script. Because that's another place where these kinds of tools excel. Copying and pasting from Stack Overflow, which is also something that a lot of software developers are pretty good at. <laughs> Look, it's part of the job, okay? <laughs> it, it, is, it is indeed. These AI tools do have a potential, a huge potential, to help doctors in their clinical decision-making, for example. That was the context in which this was asked. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are lots of places in a lot of industries where they can be useful tools. They can't replace jobs. They can be useful tools. So, for example, a project that actually I helped work on to a small extent they can be used to find like red flag symptoms in like a note that you're typing up. Like let's say you're typing up like an encounter note for a clinic encounter you had, and you note that this patient had headaches that are like worse at night and have a pounding quality, but they're they're not as bad when they're walking around during the day. That would be a red flag for increased intracranial pressure, for example, though that could be a symptom of a brain tumor. Yeah. Listener, if you have night headaches, I'm not saying you have a brain tumor. This is not medical advice. There's lots of complex stuff going on. This is just an example. Please. <laughs> Good, because guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. Do you need an MRI now? <laughs> no. I haven't had one in a decade, so yeah, maybe. <laughs> So, so they can be helpful for highlighting things and bringing them to our attention. There's a lot of potential for them to find, like to circle things in an imaging study to have the radiologist say, oh, yeah, I, I didn't notice that. Let's look at that closely and see if it is actually concerning. It's good for that sort of, it's good as a screening test, not as a diagnostic mm-hmm. test. Yeah. Because there's the sensitivity and specificity. Uh, I'm getting too technical here but are are very low. (laughs) But it's still helpful to flag things for further investigation. It it can also be helpful to remind you of common dosing for prescriptions, for example. But these are not going to replace doctors, certainly not in the next half century at the very least. Remember that people who are selling you something are always going to tell you all of the best things it can do and ignore all of the places where it falls down. Always beware of the hype of somebody who's trying to sell you something, whether it's a tech bro or a pharma rep. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. Man, that sounds almost like an Irvin Kirshner quote. <laughs> I miss that guy. So I was also asked by this classmate if I was worried about the disruption that AI will have on the job market generally, or whether a super intelligent AI might try to wipe us all out. 
<laughs> so there is definitely going to be and already has been some disruption in job markets. But that's not at that shouldn't be laid at the feet of AI. That should be laid at the feet of the people who are trying to cut corners at every opportunity and will happily take something that does a worse, less reliable job at, say, moderating comments than a human who would do a much better job and who you have to pay on an ongoing basis. Moderating comments, handling the two-factor two authentication. AI tools will generally do a much worse job than the humans that they are being used to replace when they should just be used as a tool to augment human labor. But business owners will always prefer the prospect of having to pay fewer people doing low-skilled work than a large number of people doing highly skilled labor. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole story of the Luddites, who weren't against technology per se, but instead recognized the political and economic implications of the way that technology was being deployed into their workplaces, and the way it would interact with the existing economic system in which they found themselves. So go smash some looms, I guess. I think that these ideas apply to technological innovation more broadly and are not specific to what folks are currently calling AI. There was, as I was thinking about this though, one case where I thought that it would actually make my life worse, at least in the short term, and, and that is because I occasionally like to write short stories and submit them to competitions, and I have occasionally done well in that. but. I, if I had to predict anything, I would predict that very shortly it will be difficult or impossible to run a short story competition yeah. because everybody is going to be spamming them with generated text, sometimes slightly tweaked, sometimes not, because why not give it a shot? Especially for the ones that are that have a lower barrier to entry. A lot of them have more recently shifted to a fee for submission. Even so... I think they're probably, a lot of them are already swamped with submissions, and this is not going to make it any better. Of course, we are probably going to see an arms race happen in tools used to detect generated text. I'm sure that those will be deployed very shortly to try to weed out all of the chat GPT generated papers that I'm sure yeah, people are submitting to university courses right now. So maybe those will be used to first pass filter out short story submissions. There was an interesting shortwave episode this week about AI where they asked it to do rocket science because they said <laughs> of all the things that computers are good at and humans are not as good at, math. Rocket surgery. <laughs> well, as my bio prof always said, it, biology is much more complicated than rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So they had written this whole episode based on a formula that the chat program had given them that was pretty bad. Sure. And right before they went to air, the next generation came out and they decided like just for fun, let's give it the same prompt. And they sent it to the same scientist and she was like, wow, it has gotten way better. Huh? Just like between this huh. generation and that generation. Hmm. Like, cool. so this is like probably wouldn't work. But, like, got the idea way better. Some, like, whatever they're doing is getting there. Which, don't like that. But. <laughs> so one of the things that I have found most amusing is all of the articles that have been written where the premise is, this AI is alive and it wants to escape. <laughs> or, it, or it has feelings or whatever. 
it is a generative text engine. My dude. Yeah. <laughs> it is not trying to tell you something. I like there are lots of people dunking on this in extremely technical senses. But the the way the dunks that I liked the best were people just posting, oh man, I wrote I am alive on a sheet of paper and ran it through the photocopier. You won't believe what the photocopier said to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, are you surprised that the robots are trying to tell you that they love you and seduce you, etc.? Like, that's what people do on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so I just used the predictive text engine in my the text chat I have with David Ashland. And I put, I am alive. And then it went into French. And my keyboard is in English. <laughs> and I can't pronounce French, so I'm going to hand it to Ashland to see if it makes any sense at all. I am alive, but pour le reste du Canada et le nombre de clients qui sont des produits frais. No. <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make, any make any sense at all. Ooh, fresh products. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in, only in the rest of Canada. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> As for the evil AI exterminating humanity scenario. That's something that we have actually talked about on the show before. It was one of the topics that we discussed. Um, I was going to say recently, but then I went and looked it up and it was episode 116. Oh. So like, we, yeah, we discussed it in, in the 80s, the Roko's Basilisk, yeah. but then we, 87, something like that. But we talked about it in our existential risk episode, which oh, was yeah. 116. But that was still... Half a decade ago. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> that was an episode that was all about how bad humans are at estimating risk. So you can go back and refer to that episode if you want. But in a nutshell, superintelligent AI, while a cool thing to think about, and something that is, I think, theoretically plausible, is probably at least 100 years away. And the kind of AI applications that we're seeing right now are so fundamentally narrow in scope that they aren't even really a step in that direction. And Silicon Valley, like so many capitalistic endeavors, is so single-mindedly profit-driven and blinded by short-term goals that I doubt that they will really move in the direction of general intelligence rather than these kind of application-specific intelligences. In my view, there are much more pressing near-term existential threats facing humanity than AI. The global climate crisis, for example, or the ever-increasing wealth disparity, both within and between countries. And I think that our time is better spent worrying about these real existing problems than worrying about potential AI. In terms of a grey goo scenario brought on by a rogue AI... Seems to me, and I'm not the first to observe this, of course, that capitalism in its current incarnation functions a lot more like an evil AI than any AI that currently exists. <laughs> it is single-mindedly making those paper clips. Consequences be damned. And we're currently facing a Grey Goo scenario. It's just happening so slowly that it can be hard to see. Depressing as hell, Jim. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Time for something nice! <laughs> Where's my jetpack? <laughs> Dave, what's your something nice this month as our special guest star? <laughs> well, I mean, one I was thinking about was, I don't know if it's been that recently, but fairly recently I, I switched to children's toothpaste. 
And I found it is a much more pleasant and enjoyable experience than the standard fare of mint, cinnamon, and charcoal. <laughs> uh, watermelon and strawberry just seems like a much more pleasant way to do the terrible tasks of, the, of living. Uh, I was wondering who's that was. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you had a secret child living in your house? No, Ashwin uses similar flavors as well. No, I like the cinnamon one. Ooh. I use charcoal because everything else is too sweet. I like a nice wintergreen. What can I say? Crest so, got me early. I didn't think that there was a secret child hidden in our house, and Dave and I had discussed this before, but when I first saw like an empty tube of children's toothpaste in the garbage, I was like, I guess we got it free in one of those like superstore gift packs, and Dave's been using it? <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize it was an intentional choice at the time. <laughs> But yeah, make your life easier in small ways, more pleasant. Why not? Because Calvinism is not why not. (laughs) I cooked enough food to feed 12 households this week, and I feel good about that. Have you discussed your cooking project on the podcast before? Last time. Who could say? (laughs) There's no way to know or find out. I have been essentially... Making a large meal once a week and letting people just chip in whatever they can for groceries and distributing it. And it's been very fulfilling. And I like feeding people and making sure people get fed. That's lovely. It is lovely. We're at my parents' on Saturday for Dave's birthday. And we tried to explain what I was doing and why I was doing it. And because we are headed toward a Grey Goose scenario... (laughs) They just kept asking questions like, but that takes a lot of time, and you're not getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm feeding people. <laughs> but, but why? Yeah, it was, it was totally, they didn't want to ask it because they knew how bad that was going to sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same as the people who threaten to steal our fruit from our front yard. Yeah, so like, many. just like they, our neighbors will jokingly walk down the sidewalk and be like, oh, I see you've planted fruit trees. Like, oh, we're gonna be by in the dead of night in a few years. And we're like, no, no, you can come in the day. <laughs> there, there will be baskets here. Please take some fruit. <laughs> we're doing what we can to combat it. My something nice is the cats continue to be adorable. Three little friends. One has, as Ashlyn's friend Toby says, a couple of chocolate chips rattling around in place of a brain. (laughs) And the other two are too smart for our own good. Not their own good, our own good. So, our little family is happy. Yes. (laughs) They have brought us much joy. Aww, that's lovely. My something nice is being able to take some time off this week with the kids for spring break. and. Jem got some time off too, and so we'll have a nice little staycation and do things together. So that's, that is quite nice. Yeah. I got some time moved. <laughs> well, it's, it's off one day and put on to another day. So yeah. <laughs> it's not raw. <laughs> it's, it's only 10 days in a row. It won't be too bad. Well, so, like it is, these shifts are a lot better, which I'm very glad for, for you, but he got almost entirely evenings and weekends. <laughs> and I'm just like, He's like one of the few people who has kids in his class. Mm. <laughs> it would be really nice if somebody else could also get some evenings and weekends. Yeah, I, I get to work Easter morning. Oh. <laughs> yeah, of the whole Easter weekend, that's the one time he has to work. It's like the one time that kids are like, we need you here right now. 
Oh, okay. It'll be an no. egg hunt at 6 a.m., I think. <laughs> Nobody's willing to trade, or is that not an option? It's more complicated gotcha. when you're assigned to a preceptor. Yep. My something nice was going to be a little bit more focused. I was going to talk about how I had the opportunity to sit down with some old co-workers of mine. Alas, the workplace where we all worked together for, for so long is no more as I suspected would happen sooner than it did. The fraud that was going on was apparently slightly better hidden than, than I had thought. Do you need me to read something official? <laughs> no, there's been no official announcement, but the staff is gone. But I, I want to make it more general, because while Ashlyn was talking about there's something nice, I was just reminded how lucky I am to have the friends that I do. And to be able to spend this time with people I love and people who I'm lucky to have in my life. Oh, Go make us cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for being my community. <laughs> Important to have. <laughs> All right. We still don't know what we're talking about next month. I, I was about to ask, but then I thought, oh, we're not doing that anymore, are we? <laughs> should keep asking and just keep saying no and then one day we'll surprise each other so. yeah i i certainly have no ideas i'm just starting my emergency medicine block and then i'm on to internal medicine for the two months that follow so I'll keep you inside <laughs> <laughs> right, that was real bad i oh man i am really looking forward to though i'm at saint boniface for most of it which is a little bit closer and it's a nicer ride the weather's starting to warm up Snow is starting to melt, so the ride will be a little bit nicer. Sidewalks are starting to clear. Mm. There's mm -hmm. some positive numbers in the forecast. Whew. It's an Except exciting time. <laughs> Soon, Forrest. Soon, yes. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for joining me tonight, everybody. Thank Good you. Night. Thank you. Good night. Good night, Good night folks. Show notes and references for all of our episodes are available at lueepodcast.com, where you can also find links to donate or get in touch. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is with a review on Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you found us, or by sharing this episode with a friend. noise noise that can be cut out thank you marissa i'm so sorry i'm gonna die if i need to do another segment without one i thought you were just gonna break into a picture at sicily 1927 <laughs>